What's happening, people? Welcome back to another edition of the CoPod Friday edition for your listening pleasure. I'm your host, Joanne, and today I've got some midweek Premier League fixtures to review, the weekend action to preview. I'm also going to discuss some transfer news, seeing as we're in the transfer window right now. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about a certain managerial appointment which was announced earlier this afternoon. So before we get into all of that, as always, follow me on socials at your and your Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, let's get straight into the action. Now, as for the Premier League games during this midweek, we had six games, five or six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yes, six games. So I'm just going to go in chronological order, really and truly. Sheffield United finally, finally, finally got their first win of the season, beating 10-man Newcastle by a goal to nil. Billy Sharp from the penalty spot with just under 20 minutes to go. Sealed Sheffield's first three points of the season, their first win since beating Chelsea 3-0 towards the back end of last season, their first win in 21 Premier League games. Mental. This came off to Ryan Frazier's uh, red card for a double offence, two yellow cards in quick succession just before the break. Truth be told, Sheffield were peppering them long before that. They deserved their three points. Newcastle were very poor, regardless of being down to 10 men. And yeah, it's a deserved win for Sheffield. They finally have that um, off their back. They're now up to five points. They're three points behind West Brom, and it's a very big win for um, Sheffield. Big win for confidence, especially after their cup win the other day against the Bristol Rovers. As for Newcastle, they stay in 15th, and there have been calls amongst the Geordie faithful, the Toon faithful, for Steve Bruce to get the sack. Of course, they those rumours have been shot down by Mike Ashley, but yeah, it's not looking good for them, man. So, um, on to the other games that we had on Tuesday. Wolves won Everton 2. Two early goals. First came from Alex Iwobi for his first goal of the season. I think it was the first league goal of the season. Ruben Neves equalised shortly afterwards, but Michael Keane won it with a header with just under 15 minutes to go. And it's a win that keeps Everton in the hunt for top four. Especially impressive because they were missing Dominic Calvert-Lewin with a hamstring injury, I believe it was. So, yeah, Everton are fifth on goal difference because um, because uh, they have a worse goal difference than Leicester and Manchester City, who we'll talk about in a little bit. As for Wolves, they are 14th. And, yeah, they're just very hot and cold. I was looking at their recent form. They've only won one of their last eight games, which isn't good for them. So, Nuno needs to find a way to start clapping some goals ASAP because they miss him and it's very, very badly. The final game on Tuesday, and it was a big one for Manchester United. They wanted this game to be moved before the Liverpool one so that they could get that initiative going into Sunday's game at Anfield. And they took it. Fair play to them. It was a very tough um, game. Hard-fought victory away at Turf Moor against Burnley, winning by a goal to nil. Paul Pogba's deflected shot going past Nick Pope with 20 minutes to go to win it for the visitors. Again, a deserved victory because I thought they were the better side. I think they had a goal incorrectly chalked off in the first half when Maguire rose above, I think it was Eric Peters, and powered a header into the far corner. I think that was wrongly chalked off. 
They were a bit lucky not to go down to 10 men. I can't lie to you. When Luke Shaw fouled, I want to say it was Brownhill or Westwood. I'm not sure which of the two it was, but his foot was a bit high. VAR looked at, in, VAR looked at it for the longest, but they chose not to give him a red card. So he he was able to see out the rest of the game. And, uh, yeah, United got the three points. They go into Sunday's clash at Anfield. Three points clear at the top of the table on 36 points. And, yeah, from the start of the season where United were seemingly really struggling, look at them now. Look at them now. They're flying. And they'll be very confident going mm-hmm. into Sunday's game. So they've done very well in, the re- in recent weeks. Their form has been very, very good. And you've seen players... The players that we were asking questions of, the likes of Pogba, Maguire, etc., Rashford, they've all started to come to the fore in recent weeks, and it'll be interesting to see how this form continues for Manchester United, especially once the Europa League comes into play next month. So, yeah, on to Wednesday's games, and we had um, Manchester City, who I alluded to previously, being top of Everton. They beat Brighton by a goal to nil. Um, the goal came just before the break from Phil Foden. Very good finish to get it past Sanchez at the near post. I think City probably could have scored a few more goals. I think they looked very lively and bright in attacking areas. Their play was very fluid. But they couldn't get more goals, which is fair play to Sanchez because I think he made some good saves. But uh, Brighton will be a little bit... Um, they shouldn't be too disheartened because I thought they gave City a good game. I thought they certainly had a chance of their own to score if they were able to connect with some of the crosses that um, the likes of Trossard March when he came on. I think if uh, I think Percy Tau was good on his Premier League debut. I think he was very good in this game. But yeah, Brighton again. Another game where they haven't played too badly, but they have nothing to show for their efforts. And they, and they lie just two points above the relegation zone and 14 points. Two wins to their name all season. And yeah, they have to look ominously at uh, the team just below them, and that is Fulham, because they got a point away at Spurs. Of course, going into this game, Fulham were not too happy that this game was having to be played, given that they have Chelsea coming up after this, which was supposed to be tomorrow. Well, actually, it was supposed to be today, as I'm recording this, but that game got moved to tomorrow against Chelsea in order to accommodate this game against Spurs. Tottenham did take the lead in the first half through Harry Kane, his header, good crossing from uh, Sissoko. Wait, no, was it Sissoko or was it Regulon? One of the two. I can't even remember, to be honest. That's how long ago it was. But yeah, Harry Kane opened the scoring and he thought Spurs would go on from there. Get some more goals, especially with the way that Son and Kane have been playing, but couldn't really get another one, of course. They missed some big chances. Son missed uh, some big, big chances in the first half. To be fair, Ariola made some very good saves to deny him. But yeah, Spurs just allowed Fulham to stay in the game for too long. They didn't put them to bed and they were punished for when uh, Ademola Lookman, he ran Sanchez down the line. Lovely crossing, lovely floated ball in. Cavalero gets, rises above, I think it was Dyer, and he get and he heads it into the far corner. 1-1, no less than Fulham deserved. And on another day, they might have even snatched all three points. Uh, Loftus-Cheek was set through by Bobby Reed. And I think he made the wrong choice. He tried to slide it back towards him, but I think he should have think. I think if he dinked it over Larice, he would have scored. So I think he, he saw a little bit of uh, his um, his weaknesses in his game in that regard. 
And there was also a chance right at the end with Abubakar Kamara. If he just lays it off to Lookman, Lookman is through on goal. He, he would have had a one-on-one, but he chose not to pass to him and the move broke down. And ultimately, Spurs went down the other end and had a disallowed goal when uh, when Regulon, Regulon scored and Son was adjudged to be offside. Spurs dropped more points. They're six in the table. Another disappointing result for them. Only one win from their last seven. Apologies for that, people. <clears throat> I think I burped. And yeah, Fulham, two points behind Brighton with two games in hand. So they'll be fancying their chances of getting out the relegation zone. And like I said, Tottenham say six. So not good for them. But I suppose, actually, we'll get into that in a little bit. The final game before we get into the weekend preview was my boys, Arsenal against Crystal Palace and... Yeah, apologies to any neutrals that actually sat through and wasted their time watching this game because they ended nil-nil in the end. I think on another day, Palace were a little bit unlucky not to snatch all three points. They had two good chances just before the break. Leno made a good save from Benteke, Seder, and uh, Tompkins hit the bar. That's probably the best chance of the game. In the second half, well, all game really, we struggled to pick Palace down. We were moving, the, we weren't moving the ball quick enough. Bamian, Lacazette, Saka, Smith-Rowe struggled to get into the game. Um, to be fair, I think I think we dealt with Eze and uh, Zaha well for the most part. I was, I was impressed with the holdings defensive display. But yeah, man, it just you you felt like the game could have gone on for another ninety minutes and neither team would have scored still. So yeah, it's a point that does neither team any favors really and truly. Arsenal's winning run comes to an end four points from their last turn, which on the face of it isn't bad, but considering the teams we'd face, you'd expect us to beat Palace at home, but then again, we've struggled to, to break down low blocks all season. We, we just generally struggled, really and truly. So, yeah, Arsenal staying 11th from 24 points. Palace down in 13th, but only a point behind them on 23. So, yeah, that's the, that's the Premier League review. Let's get into the weekend preview. So we start off with Wolves again in in action with tomorrow's lunchtime kickoff midday. Well, twelve thirty tomorrow. Wolves against West Brom. West Brom, yeah, they've not been having a good time of late. Their pre- their Premier League form has been very poor, and they were also embarrassingly knocked out of the FA Cup away against League One Blackpool on penalties after drawing two two after one hundred twenty minutes. So. Yeah, this is a black country derby, as they call it. And I am cultured, for all of you listening. So, yeah. Wolves against West Brom. Um, I don't know what to say about this game, really and truly. Um, I suppose Wolves are the favourites, because West Brom are playing that badly at the moment. But then again, Wolves are struggling to score goals themselves. But if you can't beat West Brom, who the fuck are you going to beat? So... I'm not going to spend too much time analysing this game, really and truly. I'm just going to go straight into my prediction. I'm going to go Wolves 2, West Brom 0. On to the 3pm kickoffs, and we have two of them. We're going to start off with West Ham against Burnley, which is on Prime, Amazon Prime, for any of you watching, for any of you that care. West Ham against Burnley. This is a tough one to call because Burnley, up until, well, Prior to their two recent games in FA Cup and then Manchester United, they'd actually been in decent form. West Ham are a bit unpredictable, a bit hot and cold, a bit tough to predict, really and truly. They sit 
slap bang mid table West Ham on 26 points, 10th place, 11 on points with Chelsea Villa. Yeah, Chelsea Villa. They have a chance to they have a chance to go up to eighth or seventh, depending on goal difference, how it works. And yeah, up against Burnley, who are they are in the relegation battle. Let's call a spade a spade. I'm not sure what to go with because Burnley have a decent record away at the London Stadium in recent years. But I think West Ham are in stronger form going into this game. The only thing I would say for West Ham is, of course, they've lost Allaire to Ajax recently. But um, Mikel Antonio's back. Hopefully he'll start again amongst the goals again. And I think if both teams are on form, I think West Ham should win this game. So... I'm going to go for a narrow 2-1 win for West Ham. West Ham 2, Burnley 1. The other 3 p.m. kickoff is Leeds against Brighton, I believe, if I just check. Um, yeah, it is. It's Leeds against Brighton. I think that's on Sky or BT, whichever one. So, yeah. Um, Brighton, not in good form. Leeds, they'll be reeling after their embarrassing cup defeat to Crawley. They lost 3-0. And, um, yeah, it's another one where I could easily see the game going either way because they're both teams that like to play the same way. They're both very open, attacking sides. And I think this will be a very good game for the neutral. But I think Leeds are more potent side, crucially. I think they're better at taking their chances. Well, not that their chance conversion has been all that impressive, really and truly. But, yeah, I think Leeds will win this game. I'm going to go Leeds 3, Brighton 1, because they don't impress me, really and truly. Brighton's attack doesn't impress me. On to the 5.30 game, and that's going to be Fulham against Chelsea, the game I alluded to. And Fulham, they've actually drawn their last five games in a row. Right? I know there's been a lot of disruption due to COVID and everything. And Chelsea, there's a lot of question marks surrounding them, of course. Their last game before the FA Cup, there was that embarrassing defeat against Manchester City. So, they'll be looking to right wrongs up against a team that uh, they haven't lost to since... I want to say 10 years, you know. I actually want to say 10 years or something like that. It's actually been a really long time since Fulham beat Chelsea. I think it's genuinely been that long. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Fulham can get a result. I think they've got the tools to get a result against them. Obviously, they won't have lots of cheek available to them because he's unknown. So, Angisa, Lamina, all of them, man. Lookman didn't start. I expect him to start in this game. Bobby Reed has been doing well up front. I don't know if Mitrovic will come back in. Einar, former Chelsea guy. Tete's done all right from what I've seen. I thought Anderson was dead, but he's actually impressed me recently. Same as Adab Royo. I haven't really seen my man play too tough um Ariola. i used to think this guy was a bum but he's actually a very decent goalkeeper so we'll see what happens with that and i think chelsea will drop points again you know i think it will be i think this will be a draw i'm gonna go fulham one chelsea one i think it'll be a very difficult game for chelsea i think fulham will look to do the same things they did against tottenham hit them on the break i think chelsea have more tools to break them down but they haven't all been firing recently, and it depends what sort of balance Lampard tries to go for. If he doesn't get it right, then I think Scott Parker can definitely do a number on him. So I'm going to go Fulham 1, Chelsea 1. The final game tomorrow with Leicester against Southampton. 
and that is 8 p.m. kickoff. Now, Southampton, they had their game last weekend postponed due to COVID, and that game in the FA Cup against Shrewsbury will be played on Tuesday to determine whether who will be facing Arsenal in the next round. Up against Leicester, who beat Stoke 4-0, and have generally been playing well. Of course, Southampton's last game before that was beating Liverpool by a goal to nil. And these two, they sit three points apart in the table, Leicester in fourth, Southampton in seventh. And generally, I feel like generally Southampton have been better away from home than they have been at home. I don't know if that's I don't know if the stats necessarily back that up, but I just feel like they've been better away from home. And I think they can definitely get something in this game. Although saying that, Danny Ings is out with COVID, from what I heard, so maybe that puts them at a disadvantage. I could see this one being a draw, but now that I've just said that and Danny Ings being out with COVID, I might lean for the host. I'm gonna go Leicester. I'm gonna go for another two-one. I just sound like I'm being on the fence. I'm just saying on the fence today. Leicester two, Southampton one. Um, next games we go to Sunday. Now, there was supposed to be Aston Villa against uh, Everton, but that game got postponed because Aston Villa are still having problems with the COVID outbreak at uh, Body Heath for their training ground. So, don't know when that will be played. Sheffield against Tottenham. Now, Tottenham, they need to get back to winning ways. Up against the Sheffield side, who will be higher on confidence now that they finally got that uh, unwanted statistic off their back. I still think Tottenham should get the, the job done. They have way too much quality. And if they can't beat Sheffield, then they don't deserve to be in the top four, really and truly. So I'm going to go Sheffield um, one, Tottenham three. Um, next game, and it's the big one, Liverpool against Manchester United. And yeah, like I mentioned earlier, Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, United going to this one being top of the table. Liverpool are just three points behind them. Liverpool, of course, we know their struggles in defence. They're missing Van Dijk, Gomez, Matip as touch and go going into this game. United will be confident, understandably confident. They have nothing to fear going into this game. They they'll feel that they can get their two centre backs. If Fabinho is no, if Matip isn't available, then most likely it will be Reese Williams and Fabinho. Or maybe Henderson and Fabinho, but I don't know if you want to take them out of the midfield. I don't know if you want to disrupt disrupt that balance. Although you could, given that Thiago's fit, you could go with maybe Thiago, um, Henderson. Well, no, if I'm having Henderson at centre-back, then Thiago at the base, Vinaldum and Oxlade-Chamberlain if he's fit. One of those guys, or maybe uh, Minamino dropping deeper, Milner, something like that. I don't even know. I don't know what Klopp's going to do. This is why he's the manager. I'm just seeing at home. But yeah, Liverpool against Manchester United. Of course, Liverpool are still on that mental home run. United will fancy their chances of ending it. They will fancy their chances of ending it. And I think if they do end it, then that will be a very pivotal moment in this in this um, title race. Even though that we're, we're still not even halfway through the season. It's mental. It feels like it's been going on forever. But we're not even halfway through yet. We've still got so much football to be played in this season yet. But yeah, it, it still feels like this could be a very defining moment in the title race. This could be a moment where... United, if they get a result, if they get a point or even all three, 
where they could generate this confidence and really start believing in themselves and their capacity to go the distance. Because I read, uh, I was watching the interview with Paul Pogba with Sky Sports, Patrick Davidson, and he was saying that until we beat them, we're not at their level. And it's true because you look at the credit that Liverpool have in the bank, the performances they've been putting in over the past two, three, four years in Champions League, in Premier League, they can, they're remarkable consistency. I don't know how many games have they lost in the last three years. Like, must be must be five, absolute max, must be five. It's crazy, people. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. So in order to overcome that sort of juggernaut, you have to beat them. You have to beat them. You have to get a result against them. So this could be a very pivotal moment. And Manchester City will be also looking at this game very eagerly, hoping that um, they both slip up and this game ends in the draw because they've got a game in hand, I think, against Aston Villa to play next week. can't remember. Yeah, I think it's their game against Aston Villa, which is the game in hand. So, yeah, very interested to see how this game goes. I can't lie, people. I'm struggling for a prediction. I really am struggling because I can see any sort of result. I can see United crumbling and Liverpool taking advantage of that. But but uh, by the same token, Liverpool's front three ain't really been firing like that. United will be confident. I'm going to sit on the fence. I'm doing a lot of fencing today. I'm sorry, people, but I'm going to go Liverpool 1, Manchester United 1. I'm going to end 1-1. I think it'll be a good draw. I think United will be happy to take the point as well, especially given that they'll still have that three-point lead over Liverpool. So, yeah, the final game of Sunday is um oh, I just had on my mind City against Crystal Palace. Now Palace, of course, you got that result against us. Nil-nil at the Emirates, but Manchester City are a much different beast because City have a lot more technicians in their team. They've got the quality of De Bruyne, Foden, Bernardo Silva, Jesus didn't start the game, so I imagine he will start in this one. Aguero, I don't know if he's back from COVID just yet. But yeah, it's been a very difficult task for for Crystal Palace to keep Manchester City out for 90 minutes. And I don't think they'll succeed really and truly. They've got players to hit them on the break, like Diaz, the Zahas. But City have been a lot more solid, not just recent recent weeks, but all season really and truly. They've got the best, um, I think they have the second best defensive record in the league this season with only 16 goals conceded. So yeah. It's good to see that, that Pep Guardiola is finally strengthening his defensive core. Their spine looks a lot stronger now. So I'm going to go in this game. I'm going to go City 2, Palace nil is my prediction. And the final game of the weekend to um, to preview is West Ham against West Brom. No, where am I? I'm, uh, what's wrong with me? Not West Ham against West Brom. It's Arsenal against Newcastle. What is wrong with me? Arsenal against Newcastle. We're playing Newcastle again after we played them in the FA Cup just a few days ago. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about this, people. We played them already. I don't need to preview it. I don't need to tell you how Newcastle are going to play. I don't need to tell you what Arsenal's strengths and deficiencies are. All I can say to you is that my prediction... I want to say we'll get the job done, but... I don't know with this Arsenal team. I honestly don't know with this Arsenal team. I think it'll be a, a slog again. I'm going to back my boys. I'm going to go 1-0 Arsenal. 1-0 to the Arsenal. Boring, boring Arsenal and all of that jazz. So, yeah. That's my Premier League preview and those are my predictions. So, final parts of this pod. I guess we're going to get on to some transfer news that I've seen recently today. And we've got... Um, 
Danny Drinkwater, I forgot that guy was alive, honestly. He's going on loan to the Turkish Super League to Kashim Pasa. Uh, Musin Mbele has joined Atletico Madrid on loan from um, Lyon. Uh, damn it, I'm just looking at the transfer news, you know, all of that. We'll talk about Rooney in a bit. Uh, what other things are there? Timothy Fosu-Mensa has joined Bayer Leverkusen from Manchester United. AC Milan are trying to get Fikayo Tomori on loan. To be honest, there's not been a lot going on in this window. Of course, we've got the Shabazz Sly who moved earlier on. Uh, Lassa Schoener left Genoa, from what I remember. Uh, whatever these is there, really and truly, because I can't see anything. I can't see jack shit. There's just nothing here. I'm going on transfer There's nothing to really tell you people. Uh, Lucas Piazon has finally left Chelsea after 10 years. He's gone to Braga on a free. Jack Clark has left Tottenham to go on loan to Stoke. Luka Jovic, I forgot that. He's gone on loan to Antac Frankfurt. We're back to Antac Frankfurt on loan. Um, anything else? Or else I'll just get on to... I'll just get on to the other stuff, really and truly. Um, I'll just go to my last piece of news, really and truly. Islam Slamani has gone to Neon from Leicester. Yeah, man, really and truly, there's nothing else to talk about with regards to transfer news. So yeah, yeah, let's get let's get on to the final piece of news, and that is regarding Wayne Rooney, who has retired because he has been appointed the permanent derby manager. And I'm very interested about this. Now, first, I should say that obviously we are talking about England's all-time top scorer, top scorer, Manchester United's all-time top scorer, a legend of the game, quality, quality player, quality young player. Generational talent, really and truly. I think, I think he could have won a lot more. I think he could have been. I think he could have been at that Ronaldo, Messi level if he'd really applied himself. But he shouldn't have any regrets. He shouldn't have any regrets of what he achieved. I still think he achieved a whole lot in the game. And for my money, from for what from my living memory, I think he's the. I think he's definitely the best English player of the generation I grew up watching if not of all time, according to some people. So, yeah, he had an illustrious, glittering career, and I wish him all the best at Derby. I really do, because if he told me 10 years ago that he'd become a manager, I'd have I'd have been asking for the men in white coats to cut you off somewhere to the, to the loony bin, really and truly, because the sort of character he was as a player, very fiery, um, maybe he could be seen as a bit of a dumbass, not intelligent. You wouldn't want to see. You wouldn't have assumed that he'd become a coach one day. But to see his evolution from being that young, feisty, fiery player to becoming more experienced when he got older at Manchester United, of course, going back to Everton, going to the MLS, becoming a player coach slash player manager at Derby in the last few months, and now becoming a manager in his own right. I'm very interested to see 
how he does because nowadays he seems a lot more well spoken and he's and he cited um, the influences that have uh, led him to this point. The likes of Louis Van Gaal when he was at Manchester United, who who helped him to see the game in a different light. I just find it very intriguing how you could be going through life, you can be living through through everything and then you just have that one person who enters your life and whether it be directly or indirectly they just open your eyes to everything you see things from a whole different perspective it's like you have a you have a light bulb moment an epiphany of sorts and i'm interested to see how that came about for rooney in particular and yeah i want to see how he does at derby in the championship because when i think of derby i think of them being a very stable club with a lot, with a very good infrastructure. Obviously, they're struggling at the moment with the, their financial issues. I know that Mel Morris wants to sell the club, but generally, I look at the youth policy they have, the quality academy, the quality they have in their academy. This is a very stable club, and I think he's got a good structure behind him. We've seen, I've seen who's coaching so far: the likes of Liam Rosinia and all of them, man. So yeah, I just want to see what Rooney's footballing philosophy is because. He seems a lot more well-spoken now. I saw, um, I've seen the things he's had to say on worldly events, worldly issues, what he's had to say about the game of football in particular. So I want to see how he can translate that into coaching credentials, how he can translate that to his actual managerial abilities. And yeah, man, I hope I hope the best for him. I wish the best for him. I hope it works out for him because obviously, like I said, I wouldn't have expected him to become a manager like that. So... Yeah, I want to see how different Wayne the manager is to Wayne the player. So, yeah, that's all from me. This is uh, not the longest pod today, but yeah, I've got, I've I've said my piece. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this today, and I'm gonna love and leave you people. And I'll be back again with N Five Vibes on on Sunday, where I'll talk where I'll talk all things Arsenal again. So yeah, I'm out. Peace.